When um, some of you have come through the line after worship services and said a kind word to me about uh, a morning's message, I've sometimes responded to you with the words, well, that text kind of preaches itself. That's a way of saying that there are portions of scripture that are themselves sermons or are themselves poems or songs that are themselves messages that have a kind of fullness to them that preach themselves. So this morning, I want to pick up a custom that I have done at different times during my ministry, and that is to, in fact, provide to you one of those passages in scriptures, to let it in some ways speak for itself, to invite you to hear an ancient text in a new way, to invite you to consider new ways of interpreting scripture through the heard word as you hear let the word bathe over you and only wait a bit before thinking about what it might mean. The text for this morning is a full chapter of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 40. Let me take you to the, thir- the final third of the fifth century before Christ. The Babylonian Empire was facing its final days with internal corruption and disarray and distracted leaders leaving it vulnerable to a rising Persia. Several decades earlier, the Babylonian Empire had conquered and ransacked Jerusalem, removing Jews to Babylon and forcing their religion underground. Those decades were hard on the Jews in exile, but they have deeded to us some of the most beautiful and powerful literature of the Bible. With Hebrew writers coming to terms with loss and disappointment and failure and a sense that it was their own corruption and their own disarray and their own distraction from God's cause of equity and justice and faithful living that had brought their own condition upon them. The order of their day during the last period of their exile was not just nostalgia and not just wishful thinking or self-preservation. The order of the day was chastening and self-examination and rethinking priorities. And the poets took the lead. In time, strains of new hope scored their songs. And as the mighty grandeur and power of the empire, as the wealth of the empire showed its cracks, and the emperor revealed his nakedness, These exiled Israelites found strength to imagine a new future. They remembered better ways of living than what just imitating the values of the system that dominated them promised. And they remembered who they were 
despite the message of the empire that called them a worthless and defeated people. They heard again a holy claim on their lives, and they offered their people a deeper peace and a richer vision than they had heard in some time. They remembered what had always been true, and they found hope again, even before they were physically freed. Among their poets and their prophets was a young one whose writings we have now come to understand make up about 15 chapters of the book of Isaiah, beginning in the 40th chapter of Isaiah. The author of that prophecy, that song, that extended poem and call, beginning in chapter 40, that author spoke truth to power, made fun of the empire's pretensions. He remembered the power of God who created all things and intends all things for good, who gives peace and freedom and a future to those who take up this vision. And he told the people that there is hope after all. I want you to hear the first chapter of that writing, the 40th chapter of the book of Isaiah, and I want you to hear it as a 2,500-year-old call. But I also want you to hear it as a call that we still remember and still listen to and still sing and still receive as ours today. Just hear it. Don't apply it too soon. Let it sit. And let it remind you of what is most important. The writer of this passage imagines a heavenly court imagines himself standing before the heavenly council and being addressed. Please pray with me. Holy Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be receptive to thee. O God, our strength and our redeemer, we pray. Amen. And so in the heavenly, heavenly council, this he hears. Your God says, comfort my people. Comfort them. Speak to the heart of Jerusalem, of Phoenix, of Scottsdale, of my church and of my people. Cry to them that their time in the wilderness, their time of slavery is ended that their guilt has been forgiven and that like a thief they have paid for their sins twice over from the hand of God. So a voice cries out to me, prepare in this wilderness a way for God. Make a straight highway for God across the wastelands, and make this highway a pathway of equity. Let every valley be filled in, 
every mountain be leveled, every cliff a plateau, every escarpment a plain. Let the glory of the Lord be revealed so that all the people together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it and so it will be. And another voice said to me, cry aloud. And I said, what shall I cry? Cry this, it said, all humanity is as the grass and all of its beauty like the wildflower's beauty. You see, when the breath of God blows on them, the grass withers and the flower fades. And all the people are surely like the grass in this way. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God, it remains forever. So here is your mission, the voice said, if you will accept it. Go up on a high place. You, messenger of God's city holier than this city, shout as loud as you can. You, messenger of God's city more peaceful than this city, shout fearlessly. Say to the towns, here is your God, here is the Lord your God coming with the power of a strong arm. God knows the reason for God's power before we do. And God accomplishes what God desires even before we look. So God is not needy of us, yet, yet like a shepherd feeding his flock, gathering lambs in powerful arms and holding them against his breast like a mother and providing rest to the mothers of the sheep, God is with us. So you want to understand this relationship between God's power and God's care? Well, it is a mystery. It is beyond our knowledge. After all, who was it that measured the waters of the sea as though it could be held in just one palm? And who measured the cosmos to the nearest inch or measured the dust of the earth to the nearest bushel and weighed the mountains in scales or weighted the hills in the balance not us so you think you know god you think you can instruct god well answer me this who inspired God's spirit? What counselor could have instructed God? Whom has God consulted for enlightenment or for direction in the way of judgment? 
or in the way of teaching knowledge? Who showed God how to understand, not us? Look well around you. The nations, the empires, they're like a drop in the bucket. They count little more than a grain of dust on God's scales. Look well around you. Coasts and islands weigh no more than fine powder to God. God's fires are so hot that even the snows of Lebanon, the snows of Canada, melting would not be enough to quench God's fire. Nor would there be enough animals in all the land if we decided to offer God a burnt sacrifice like folks did back in Bible times. You see, let me tell you again. All the nations and all the empires are as nothing before God. They count less than nothing, as if empty. For to whom can you compare God? What image can you possibly imagine that would picture God? Now we, who are skilled in the ways of the world, can craft a system or a philosophy to imitate God. And our goldsmiths can overlay it with fine gold and form beautiful silver chains to make it look even prettier. And even those of us who are less skilled or too poor for worldly power, even we, can still find all kinds of reasons to hide from God. Like we were crafting pieces of wood into walls that stand firmly between us and God. But do you not know? Have you not heard? Haven't you been told from the very beginning haven't you figured out how the earth was set on its foundations? Okay, try this. Think as if God were far, far above us. This one, beyond the circle of the earth, seeing the inhabitants of the earth from such a distance that they, that we, look like grasshoppers. Now, that God, seeing the grasshoppers, stretches out the stars in the heavens like we spread a tablecloth or like we build a house in which we live. This creating God reduces worldly authority to nothing and the rulers of the world to mere emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely has their stem taken root in the soil that God blows on them and they wither and the storm of life carries them away like the chaff. 
God says, and let me repeat it again, to whom can you compare me? Who is my equal? So my hearers, lift up your eyes and look. The one who created all the things that we cherish so dearly spreads them out in order before that one like an army in a line and summons each one of them by name to explain themselves. God's knowledge and God's judgment is so strong that not a single one of those things that we cherish so much in life could fail to answer God's summons. So before this God, how can any one of us say over and over again, my way is not understood by the Lord, or my needs are ignored by God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? This God is the everlasting God who created the remotest parts of the earth. This God does not grow tired or weary, but strengthens those of us who are powerless. Even strong youths grow tired and weary. Even the most active young people stumble and fall, but those who hope in God will regain their strength. They will sprout wings like eagles. Though they run, they will not grow weary. Though they walk, they will never tire. Though they move with help, they will never fail. And they will never be failed. So hear this today. In 2022 in Scottsdale, Arizona, that means us. That means you. Let God be God, just, merciful, and true. We are not God. We do not rule the earth. But living our lives in cooperation with the character of the Creator, just, merciful, and true, we can find strength. This God is the everlasting God who created the remotest parts of the earth. This God does not grow tired or weary, but strengthens those of us who are powerless. Even strong youths grow tired and weary. Even the most active young people stumble and fall, but those who hope in God will regain their strength. They will sprout wings like eagles, Though they run, they will not grow weary. Though they walk, they will never tire. They will be held in the palm of God's hand. That means us. 
that means you. Let God be God.